This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Ozzy, you were in Cario uh, Bangi um, today as part of the Kids for Africa appeal. Um, it's not the first time you've been out though, is it? But can you kind of paint a picture for people who are uh, listening to this about what it's like? And uh, For me, it's the first time I've been there. It was, it was quite an eye-opening experience. Well, you're exactly right, and it is eye-opening. And um, I came here it's 18 months ago. Now I didn't realise it was it was as long as it as it has been. And on both occasions, you, you you're just amazed by um, by the whole place. Really, yeah. I mean, you can drive two minutes, and and you're in the middle of the slums. To suddenly you're in a a, a nice up more upper market place and. Um, what the slums entails it's easy to say um, you, you know you, you know what the slums are yeah. you may have seen it on the telly but until you've you've been in it you yeah, honestly exactly. don't you don't realise it's um, you know I'm not one for taking pictures at all but I found myself getting my camera out and taking pictures and um, you know being amazed by it all and you know the amount of people on the streets just going about their businesses it literally blew me mind the uh, you know the amount of people just going about the daily business weaving in and out stalls on the side of the yeah. street and um, you know selling everything from um, you know fruit and veg to, to beds yeah. double de- uh, yeah. you know bunk beds it's it was incredible people selling trainers that they're literally cleaning yeah. on the side of the road to, to then put out it's um you know, it shows the the lengths people go to, to to earn a bit of money, which is you know what we all try and do. But there's a distinct realism about uh, about life mm. over here, um, and once you've seen it, it, it gives you a a much more in depth perception of your own. Yeah, um, it must have been a nice experience for you today, as well as obviously seeing that and understanding that to be handing out the kids to the local teams and and the reception you and. Um, Stephen got was was really good, wasn't I it? I forget his name at times, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was it was a really nice reception. There was there was an awful lot of people there that, despite being in a big group, they're they're very shy. Um, the, the the people can be very shy within a group, which is different from that, that you get most of the time. So, you know, it's great to see the smiles you can put on people's faces with such a a simple gesture mm. uh, you know people will have handed those kits in in the bins around Goodison Park and, mm. and in and around Liverpool and maybe not thought thought of it ever again but I can tell you that, and I can tell them if they read or listening to this that um, it, it goes an awful long way um, you know the kits and the put together to make you know one set of the same colours for a team and we must have given out 40, 50 boxes of uh, of kits today, so each one of those uh, boxes made up a team strip, just in similar colours, not yeah. necessarily the exact same yeah, kit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? How far that'll go? I mean, last time I came out here in uh, 2017, it was literally shared to be skins. You know, you, the, the one team had the tops off, the other team was in multicoloured, whatever they could get their hands on. Some players, yeah, some of the players playing that day had boots. Quite a number of them didn't. So. Um, just a simple gesture, giving up an old kit, will uh, will go an awful long way here. And you know, having 
witnessed some of the smiles today. It's it's great to be able to, to still be a part of that. And the um, community grounds, as it was, it was called where we were, where they have the pitches and stuff. I mean, that surface would test Lionel Messi's touch, I think, wouldn't it? It would probably test Lionel Messi's ability to stay fit. You know, the, the, the rivets and divots on the pitch um, were incredible. Never mind thinking about your first touch, your first job would be trying to not roll your ankle. And, yeah. um, you know, that's what these these players, these young children and these, these grown-ups that are playing on the pitch have to deal with um, every time they want to play, but they want to play. They yeah. still want to be out there. One ball keeps 50 people happy um, on a field like that. And... You know, talking as I said a couple of years ago, and again spoke about it today. That one ground, which is probably a football pitch, um, maybe a, another smaller football pitch in a little area at the side, um, keeps so many people occupied and gives them so many people things to do. From the kids playing after school, football teams training, those goalkeepers training, and all sorts. A man feeding his goats last time, like a whole herd was down yeah. there. So. Um, and one small area keeps so many people happy and it's it's vital that, that, that they have that um, you've seen the Sharks play is that right? no Stephen's seen the right, Sharks okay. play so has is, is he, is he said to you what he expects is he going to be competitive on Sunday as he said? Uh, well he said that uh, he enjoyed watching them play yeah. he said that um, they were probably the best team that he saw on the day uh, they had one or two very good right. players that Sean in that cup final and you know he's hoping that they can put on the, for them he can hope they can put on the same performance mm. in the game against Everton and you know it's, it's for Everton it's it's the first game back it's tentative steps it's uh, getting as much match fitness together and, and, and getting to know everybody all over what, again what's but the mentality for, like in that first game back you know you've experienced countless first game backs you know. well it's tough because you know that for, for instance, for the the Sharks, the Karabangi Sharks on on Sunday, that's the it's going to be their World Cup final. It's, yeah. it, it's such a huge FA Cup final type um, thing that they've achieved and they deserve to play in. They'll be running around, given they're all coming off without anything left in the tank, and yet for Everton, it's it's uh, it's a first tentative step back into football. So you have to be mentally professional. You know that you. Your body's not where you want it to be, and you know that's the whole point in, yeah. in having a preseason. But you mentally have to do the right things. You have to take the game professionally. You have to um, make sure that you do your job. Um, yes, your fitness won't be there, but your touch should still be there. Your passing ability yeah. should be there still, and um, it's it's making sure that you get the job done professionally. Um, do you like the look of the current squad as it, as it stands, and, and and what you saw last season? Yeah, I think well, you know, I think we're a work in progress. Yeah. I honestly do. I think that um, unfortunately for probably three seasons now, we've been going through what seems to be a constant transition of yeah. of new faces coming in and not quite sure if the new manager likes the old one. And we've ended up with a, a huge squad of players because um, you know a new manager comes in as you'd expect, buys players that he wants, gives them contracts, and then suddenly you get to that stage where that manager for us unfortunately has been moved on so Marco Silva had a very difficult first season I felt um, tough tough start especially at uh, at Goodison Park where you know historically we, we perform better mm-hmm. against the against the better teams that come and play at Goodison so it's great to see that the team got a bit of momentum yeah. at the end you can see players gelling players that he brought in and this was uh, a very important thing but also a, a great 
um, insight to what we can expect moving forward that I think six of his seven signings or five of his six signings were arguably our best players last yeah. season so you know that is great when you're thinking about bringing in new players and um, trusting the manager and Marcel Brands to to steer the club in the right direction signings wise and um, you know if you can have such success over the next couple of years then we'll be certainly a club making pro- progress forward From what you've seen of, of- Marco Silva team and maybe what you've heard or spoke to players about think you would have liked to have played for him? I think I probably would I don't think you can be disappointed playing for a manager that wants you to go forward and attack and, and be entertaining and score goals whether I would have the legs for it you know <laughs> <laughs> who knows uh, but I would certainly have liked to, to, to play in a team and, and make some passes create some chances and you know at the start of the season when he came in, four or five games, the excitement was was yeah. fever pitch. You know the way we started it was it was terrific, and you know just finding that balance between attacking as he wanted, but making sure you're defensively solid. Yeah. We found tough for a few months, but uh, towards the end of the season, I think he seemed to get it spot on because we kept an awful lot of clean sheets, and and uh, our attack and prowess was there for all to see. Who, who, when you when you go to Goodison last season, who was the player you, you, you walked into the ground thinking, I'm looking forward to seeing him play today? I think, um, I can tell you, my son really on, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed me. son's a big Ked Zuma fan. Right. Yeah, huge Ked Zuma fan, so uh, he's a defender. Yeah. Um, well, my eldest son is. Um, he just loved watching Ked Zuma play. For me, I enjoyed watching a number of players. Um, Gomez being probably probably the pick yeah. uh, but Bernard was, was always up there yeah. as well no disrespect to any players I've not mentioned yeah. but uh, you know those two players Gomez's um, physical presence alongside his, his ability to make passes and yeah. keep the ball in tight situations and, and Bernard just reminded me of the man I'm away with Stephen uh, Pinar with the, the trickery the, the, the foresight with the ball and you know once him and Luca Dean got a, a partnership going um, an understanding down yeah. that left it was uh, it really did help us improve as a team um, I was I was tr- treating you are you d- do you go to Goodison and think oh, I wish I was still out there or are you comfortable um, no being involved do you know a lot of people say you, you should never retire and I, I certainly didn't want to um, but I don't think I've been gutted by it I'm, I've been thankfully keeping quite busy yeah uh, with the media not getting to Goodison as often as I would like if I'm, I'm completely honest so when I have been to Goodison I've enjoyed myself I've been a couple of times as quite a few times as a, a working pundit and thankfully on the other occasion I've managed to go as a, as a fan and um, enjoy the whole fan experience shall we say <laughs> uh, with my dad and my son and a couple of friends so uh, you know whichever way I go to Goodison I always, always love being there um, do I miss playing? I think you miss. I think you miss that feeling of, of coming off having won a game, yeah. And that feeling of satisfaction that you go home with having had a, a good week's work and a great result, knowing you've played well. That as a high is is difficult to, to replicate. Right. I don't think I've I've managed it yet, but uh, you know I've I've enjoyed doing the media side. I've got to be honest. I was going to say, was that something that you were thinking of, or have you just kind of fallen into it almost? Or? I think. You know, I think I probably fell into it as much as anything else. Coming to the end of my career, career, coming to the end of my career, um, the media side of, of Everton and the coaching side of Everton were, were telling me I should 
try both avenues if I'm being honest and I probably thought I'd go into coaching more yeah. uh, did all my badges but I just think the way that I'm being honest that the way my time at Everton finished sort of I needed a little bit of distance I right. think from Everton at the time and and uh, because of that I fell into fell into media but you know, as you know your, your distance against from Everton does, doesn't last very long <laughs> and you know uh, here I am now on this side had it been your intention to carry on playing? Uh, yes, um, I, I always thought I would carry on playing. I thought I had at least another another year in me, um, but unfortunately, you know the way things ended. Um, you know, I was under the impression I would get another year. Yeah. Um, Roberto Martinez ended up getting the sack before the end of the season. Of course, and, yeah. And that left me in, in quite a bit of limbo. Um, you know, maybe circumstances being different, I'd, yeah. I, I may have. But, um, you know, having been told to wait till the end of the season to to get it sorted, being, I had the impression I would be getting a, another year. And then all of that happening, new manager comes in and, and suddenly you're out of favour and out of thought. And that yeah. happens in football. Yeah. You can't. You can't expect um, you know everything to suddenly go your way. So um, suddenly, I was uh, in July without Everton to fall back on, and, and a lot of clubs that had shown interest in the summer had, had moved on. So at that point, I decided that that was for me. I didn't want to play for any any other club, and certainly didn't want to go down the leagues to play football when you know I'd be, you'd be moving like away from my family. And yeah. I just played for Everton. I, I decided that that was probably best. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, speaking of somebody you know very well who is, has left the football club, um, Jack Elk, have you spoken to him since since he yeah, left? Yeah, certainly. You know, we've I don't think I've spoken to him on the phone, but we certainly shared a, a number of texts, and he found himself in a very similar situation to to what I did. So um, you know, just tried to tell him how I was feeling at the time and uh, share my experience with him. Certainly didn't influence his decision in any way, but um, as you would expect, with a friend, gave him my experiences, and um, you know he he decided to make this decision. He he did, and he's been an unbelievably good servant yeah. to our to our club. Served as captain for many years, and um, I'm sure everyone had joined me in wishing him all the best for the future. What was he? Uh, what was he like to play under as a captain? <laughs> did, was he? Was he? Did Jags? Perhaps was he more vocal and have a pop at? Something like you, because you and him were probably a bit closer than than some of the other players. Maybe naturally, would he use you as the, say, as the whipping boy? Yeah, yeah, probably. I would say the word I would use to describe Jags is infectious. Right, right. He was infectious um, about everything he did. When he was happy, when he was mad, when he was upset, you couldn't help but be affected. You, you, you went with his emotion. You couldn't almost. help but be affected. He yeah. was such a, a big character. So uh, you know, he was he was a really good character. Um, really good friend delighted to have played with him for so long and uh, yeah I suppose I am a bit disappointed that he's uh, he's not our captain anymore but fortunately at times in football things change yeah expecting to see him pop up in the Premier League next season I would be surprised if he didn't yeah um, certainly be surprised if he if he didn't play but as I've offered to him many times over the last few weeks my golf clubs are available whenever <laughs> he wants to give me the call and you have shared many many pre-seasons with Jags and I'm really interested to get your insight into what pre-seasons like generally for a player um, 
and then I'll I'll ask you about the specifics of a an infamous David Moyes um, training session. Did you enjoy coming back for preseason? No, <laughs> not at all. Does, did any of the players? Like, um, is the one player who's absolutely eager and he's at the front of the running from day one? And um, it depends on eager. I mean, the likes of Bainsey didn't like and doesn't like even now. You know, speaking to him, still speak to him now. He doesn't like to not be fit. So, yeah. you know, the thought of a of a summer off, you know, he's probably working more than he would if he was yeah. in the season. So yes, some players of course like to, to come back in and get pre season off and running, but make no mistake, pre season's the hardest time of, of the year. Yeah. I started being in and around football properly when, you know, pre season was required because everyone literally took the end of the season off. Right. You know, that was how it was back then. You you down tools, you had six weeks of uh, of doing nothing some players who didn't handle the weight very well came back fat and that, that's that, that's the, the truth of the matter so pre-season was required you all came back with no fitness yeah. and by the six weeks you were all fit whereas it's I, was, I saw the transition of that I saw the change of that in my in my time that players were going away and coming back for the first day of pre-season relatively fit already mm. you know it would only take a week of of um, of doing bits and bobs to get themselves conditioned back yeah. to playing um, a game so you know for the first two or three seasons under that I was down in tools for the six weeks coming back enjoying my summer off as I'd sort of been taught yes. from the, the, the players before me but certainly by the end of my career it, was, it wasn't something you could do you could have your two weeks holiday and even then you might go for a run or two you're given a plan by the club you're given a plan you're given what to eat when to eat um, you know and Certainly told to keep the weight down off you, but also you're expected now to come back relatively conditioned yeah. for the start of pre-season, so that managers can literally hit the ground running. And whether I fully agree with that's what you do, I do think players need more downtime than that. But unfortunately, you know it's a it's a dog eat dog world. Yeah. It's it, it's one of them. I, I was dragged along by, I suppose at the time of middle of my career, more professional players. Yeah. By the end of my career, I was a professional player in regards to pre-season, but uh, if you don't keep yourself conditioned during the off-season, you find yourself playing catch-up for the whole of pre-season and then uh, maybe find yourself out of the team at the start of the season. Who came back overweight? Who, was, who were the, the repeat offenders? Oh, <laughs> um, do you know what? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going all the way back to the youth team. Richard Dunn was always... Funny, yeah. or, Richard Dunn was always one that struggled. Um... But he struggled during the season as well, if I'm being completely Fast. honest. Um, Steve Watson always found it a little bit tough, I think, on, on the early days. Um, but do you know what it all, always came down to? Those players that had constant battles Yes. Okay. with, with their weights, rather than those players who were naturally and a we little did. bit fitter and, yeah. and naturally able to go. And Unfortunately, that's a, that's a body thing rather than, a, yeah. than anything else. So, explain for us, if you will, how tough was it pre-season the first couple of weeks maybe under Moyes I mean were the balls still locked in the cupboard were they gathering dust for another two weeks is it literally that severe yes but Davy Moyes progressed as right. professionalism did for the first four or five seasons under David Moyes we didn't see a ball for the first week um, running I remember going to I think it was Nigel Mansell's hotel down in Exeter right or, or, or around that area for one time I don't think we took balls and we still played a game at the end of it I mean, none of us had seen a ball before it, you know. So, 
But as um, things progressed, as people came back fitter and fitter, the ball was introduced and, and a lot of work was done with the ball. And players will always find that yeah. easier. Mentally, it's yeah. a lot easier to run with the ball, despite it probably being harder, Yeah, the concentration levels. But it's always easier when there's a ball involved. And you know, a lot of managers have taken to, to take that, that, that way of going about things now. There was a run that Phil Neville spoke about um, once. I, I, I can't remember the name. It was the Punisher or the Sickener or something. It was oh, some sort the of horseshoe. That's the one. Been the horseshoe. So can you, what, what was it as bad as he made out? Uh, yes, it, it obviously wasn't. But the thing is, and getting to know David Moyes as, as well as I did, yeah, and having done that blinking run so many times, um, it wasn't about that run. wasn't designed for fitness, right? I don't know if I've given Moisey, David Moyes' secrets away, but that, that run was designed to be unattainable so that he could see which players got themselves through it regardless and which right. players kept going, which players were mentally tough and which players maybe dropped out with a bit sore back or a, right. a touch of cramp or, or whatever it was. So thankfully for me, I was never reaching... I would always complete the run, but I never did it in the time. But that was the real test, completing it and not The complete. real test was completing the right. run, that, that you, you got your, your head down and, and you'd done it, because quite a number of the... I mean, I don't think it's any secret that I wasn't the quickest of players. <laughs> so um, quite a number of the runs were very difficult for me to reach in time yeah. as it was. I was literally sprinting like it was a, like it was a marathon, you know, I'm expected to sprint, but also be able to do it for a long time. So knowing that I was never reaching the times I just made sure I always got through it and, and a lot of players found that difficult that they tried to reach the times fell away and, and dropped out of the run completely right. and you know that, that particular run was too hard to do it was unattainable <laughs> so it was all about getting yourself through it so was it, was it interesting when you come back for the summer and there'd be, maybe be a couple of new faces that come to the club and you're all looking at each other and going let's see how he gets on yeah and um, you know at the start we did that run I think we actually did that run twice a season to start with then it became once a season and then towards the end it became once every two seasons and that's one of the reasons I came to understand why because David Moyes had been with the squad for so long at that point he knew which players were yeah. he didn't need to do that run every single time yeah. he, he knew which players would, would get through it which players on a match day would he could rely on when the going got tough and which players would go mm. right to the end in, in the 95th minute um, and that's what that one was all about. Who, who, who had the best engine when you were at the club? Um, it's difficult that because um, you know it's, it can be position orientated. You, of course, know, yeah. you look at engines and you think centre midfielders have to have the engine because they're getting back to front. But uh, we're talking fitness wise. Jags had a ridiculous. Right engine for getting through runs at speed. I mean, people underestimate his speed. Yeah, um, but he was also fit as well. Bainsey is the longevity of, of his ability mm. to. I mean, he's, he's doing them runs up and down the wing, overlapping runs. Had that real abilities uh, and Seamus as well. So I'd probably say in the modern game or towards the end of my career, it became fullbacks that yeah. that have that real ability to to get up and down and get forward and backwards. And yes, they can have a resting position, but. They're expected to make those long bursts and runs time after time. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.